Welcome back to the show guys, this is the Original Judo Podcast, coming to you from amidst the UK's coronavirus lockdown. So obviously I have a little bit more time on my hands, um, still got some work commitments, but mainly I'm just on daddy daycare at the moment, which I'm loving, but it's given me a lot more time to bring these out to you a little bit more regularly. Um, chatting today to... Uh, a coach who's got a massive online presence. Um, if you haven't checked out his videos uh, before, please do so. They're absolutely fantastic. He's got a wealth of knowledge and experience. He's worked with some phenomenal athletes, and the, his kind of yeah back catalogue is really really high quality. And it's something that I turn to when I'm looking for inspiration for myself for my own coaching. Um, it's Vince Skillcorn, if you haven't guessed already, and in the UK he is, yeah, one of the biggest, I guess, kind of online content producers for judo, uh, alongside managing his own club, which he gets into today. Um, I would say there's something really weird going on with the recording, it jumps about a little bit. Uh, I think it's worse on my side of the recording and if it had been the other way around I maybe wouldn't put it out but Vince has some fantastic insight and I think it's a great listen so please stick with it we'll start with Vince talking about how he transitions from being a player part of the British squad into being a coach at a young age Um, had to delete some portions of the episode mainly because of the issues with the recording quality but again I think there's enough in there that a lot of people enjoy this and will get a lot out of it obviously big thanks to Vince for coming on the show hope you enjoy it and I hope everybody is safe and well I was 24 I was tired um, I was just through loads of injuries every time I'd get back to any sort of shape or you know, get ready to do any sort of level of competition. I was just injured again, and I was injured for months and months and months. And, yeah, that basically just took its toll. Um, but I never fell out of love with you. I loved judo. And for me, when I when I couldn't compete anymore, that was, for me, that's when I, want, I, I had to move into coaching because I still feel like I, ha- I hadn't given everything I could have to judo. So, for me, I realised that I couldn't, maybe I just wasn't good enough but I wasn't able to reach the level in my competitive career that I wanted to and I was never going to be competing at a lower level so for me it was quite a natural transition into coaching yeah you're coaching at Camberley which if people inside the UK is one of uh, most successful yeah. clubs up in the UK. Camberley unique. I mean, Camberley's been running for longer than I've been. Um, but they've had Olympic medalists, world medalists, European medalists, um, and obviously that's where I moved to when I was 17 to, you know, to, to try and pursue a competitive career. And it's run by Luke Preston now, and formerly run by Marco, both excellent coaches. Um, and I'm lucky I, I'm still involved uh, with me. Um, so Luke Dill, my coach, uh, Steve's coach, he works with all the there. And then I work with sort of the advanced juniors, up sort of 18 and under 20s, helping, helping with that. Um, but yeah, if Luke ever needs anything, I'm there to help. Um, but alongside that, me and wife's up our own club as well, um, which we run. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I enjoy coaching. I like the process coaching. Um, when I retired, I was still quite young. And um, I basically didn't have that many GCSEs or anything. So 
I decided because I could go straight into the formal side of uh, education for, for coaching. And I was quite lucky because I was given the opportunity to go and do my master's degree as well. Um, but obviously that's only one one side of it. So it's really difficult to get good coaching experience unless you're in the thick of it, you're coaching every day. So as much as I really enjoyed my university course and I feel like I learned so much from it, I don't think I learned, I don't think it was more value or less value than actually being on the mat every single day, coaching all levels. Um, so. And then I think where a lot of people will know you from is from your, your YouTube and then probably more recently, your Instagram. But um, I think that's been going quick, <laughs> quick check on my phone seven or eight years now. How did you get started putting things online? Um, well, it was when basically we were when I was going to coaching courses and I was watching stuff and I was thinking, well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, and then I was thinking, well, if I don't agree with it, then what am I going to do that's any better? Where is my stuff any more? And I sort of, it was a way of just putting stuff out there. And my hope was that there was some sort of combination of whether it was right, whether it was wrong. But I think one of the biggest problems we have in judo and in coaching is we don't actually discuss what we like about techniques, what works, what doesn't work, what's any good. I think we're allowed, as coaches, you're almost given um, a free pass on on whether you can do stuff or not um and yeah i just i just wanted to put it online sort of say well this is what i'm up to what's everybody else up to what 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 studios out there how's everything on it and all, there, there were so many reasons for it that was one and i also had um like we competitions with some of the players like, we, done like, we had done this before and it was just like we having like a, a book of ideas yeah you know so I just i thought well if i'm teaching on then i might just film it and then i can chuck it online and if people are useful they find useful I personally, I love it. And when in my, in my coaching, um, if I am ideas or I'm struggling for variations on things that I do, uh, yours is one of the first places I go to look because again, I, you've got, you've been posting really regularly for seven years. And if, if people haven't checked it out, it's definitely worth um, investing some time in because you've got quite the back catalogue. Um, it's really good. But how are you coping at the moment with, obviously we're talking right at the start of this uh, coronavirus lockdown in the UK. Mm. Um, clubs have been shut for, I guess, around a week, maybe a little longer in some places. How's yeah. that affected you, your coaching, your business and what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really tough at the moment. Judo is my sole source of income. Teaching judo is how I'm going to live and for my family my wife and uh, as well so if we're not on the map it's really tricky um but i just think it just provides us with a different a different challenge um i think what people might forget is kids don't just come to judo to run around for 45 minutes and play games like they come to judo because they want to see their coach they want to see their friends they want that community aspect they want they feel like they're included so i think there's still a massive opportunity for us and judo clubs um basically just migrating stuff online we still we're still operating as a judo club we're operating online now obviously they can't go away and practice judo the same way as they would and we can't deliver it like that but there's no reason why you can't create value it's going to be like the parents at the moment are having to work from home whilst giving their children a full-time education like it's impossible so actually the 
the distraction and the familiarity of you being on their screen, either doing a live Facebook session or Zoom or creating some content for them to, to do at home or, you know, there's so many things that, that we could be offering, uh, offering everyone that it's just a different opportunity. And I don't feel like people should support the judo clubs for charity. I think it's support because we're still a vital part of their community. So I think we can deliver on stuff because it's going to be, any kid can get in the garden and kick a football around, but actually purposeful practice, you know, whether it's you create worksheets on competitions or, you know, whatever it is, I think there's still value. Um, some of the people won't be able to afford it. They will just have to stop their, their payments, which is, you know, we're not trying to put anybody into any financial difficulty, but if they value your service and they can afford it, I think, yeah, definitely keep on your duties, keep, keep them sharp, keep walking, and allow it to be a safe space so you can communicate with everybody. Fantastic. I think, I think really it's people having to be innovative. Like, mm. As you say, this is your source of income, and I think a lot of you're talking about, and if, if people are new, the content you put fairly red constant at the moment, so there's others still going into it. Mm. Um how do you find being in front of a camera as opposed to being in front of, like as in i am trying to do little bits for my university club at the moment and it is so awkward yeah doing it up on instagram or oh. on the facebook page just getting the guys to engage and book a complete uh camera yeah yeah i hate it <laughs> like say say for example like if i'm gonna do a live session tomorrow i'll start getting butterflies i start feeling awkward very contest like it, there's no getting from it but you're a competitor, you've been a competitor all your life, and you know the only those feelings, the only thing you can do is go for it. Like, you can't think about it too much, you've got to rely on your ability. And because I, I feel like I've done so many, say last year, last year I'd done, I think it was about 850 judo classes I taught, um, which weren't cancelled competitions or anything like that, it was just purely lessons that I've taught. You know, wow. so the content and the knowledge is there, you just got to rely on the fact that you know stuff. I mean, you're not trying, it's not like you're, you're trying to bag anything. You are just trying to deliver stuff that you know and you, you know inside out and you're passionate about. And that's what I just try and remember. Nobody, people come on YouTube or Instagram, they're not looking for like the film or, or anything like that because there's, it's a high, high production value. Like, if you look at my YouTube stuff, especially at the beginning, it was terrible. Like, it was, the sound was rubbish. It was, but it doesn't matter the content there. I think that's the most important thing. I think people are willing to forgive you know, a dog running across the screen or, you know, you're not being spot on your on your words or anything like that. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is the content and the connection. And that's what I think people want is that connection and value once again. Totally. Um, I think a, a big thing, like, though, is that is an element probably at the start, I mean, probably less so for you now, is that doing something that you find a little... Uh, Anxiety-induced. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and going, all right, okay. You know, like, when we've done our first like, little class online uh, the other day, and, you know, you're waiting there, staring at a computer screen, not knowing if anybody's on the other side, whether they're sticking their fingers at you or laughing at you or whatever. You know, you don't know what's on the other end. You, you see someone's coming in and you're doing best. And that's what they just want to you know, if they don't like it, they won't watch it. <laughs> so nobody's forcing them to watch what you're doing, you know, and if it's coming from a good place, there's value to it. I think people watch it and I think just yeah, 
just make that first step. I hate, like, even say, like, tonight for this podcast, I hate waiting around. I hate waiting to start it. <laughs> involved. And once it's like, you can get going, can't you? But it just that, that build up before yeah. it's the pre competition nerves. <laughs> Yeah, um, I do. I totally agree. Like, I find the start of every single one of this, that two minutes going, oh, what am I going to say at the start? Even though the start is pretty formulaic. But how is that? You think of the, the level of competition you thought at, and you're all worried about speaking to a little speaker. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in the grand scheme of things, the thing you've accomplished in your life is much totally. probably way down there. You know, all the interactions, all the people you have to be and work actually, like, make a big decision on whether you, whether you still chill or <laughs> <laughs> No, totally. Um, so how, what's the reception from your classes? So have, you, have you had a chance to gauge reception yet? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's scared. I don't think there's anybody who's not worried, not concerned. I think it is the unknowing, and obviously as more stuff's coming out, something's coming clearer. I mean, we've had members who don't engage in it and they've left you know, which is fair enough that's to them but on the whole we found really good engagement we've had people you know look forward to it you know even if you're saying right we're going to schedule a post now or then or and it just gives them a welcome something just completely different and you know even if even if like as the weeks go on it might be the fact that we developed that in i will learn something new like maybe learn some yoga or do something and we'll do it together as a team you know because they, they don't necessarily want you to be the oracle of everything they want to see you be human they want to see you know the learning process that they go through you know putting yourself out of the comfort zone and I think generally the parents just the parents want to be involved with they will they they'll get their kids involved and it's not just about the money is it it's just about being part of a club or a community or you know just being together through a difficult time one of the other things that i've noticed that you're doing i guess particularly at the moment is you're offering competition analysis <laughs> what prompted that or is what of inspiration uh, led to that as that inspiration um, well, one of the things that i find especially I, I go to lots of tournaments and there's so many lakes that are made over and over again and the it might be packaged differently, like some might do slight variations, but they're all the same same things. And what I wanted to do is just basically over the analysis we'll start seeing the same themes reoccurring, you know, and that's the key in judo. Like judo isn't random, judo has set parameters. It's like it is like a game of chess. Once you know how the, the chess pieces move, there's intricacies and patterns of it. And it's the same when you're doing competitions or round or you know, there's set um movements and when people watch high-level competition, what they've not seen is there's so much assumed knowledge that like they're doing so many things that they're not doing, if that makes sense. Like the, the stance, the grip, the posture, they're, making, they're not making so many mistakes that a beginner would make, which means that their level has progressed on to things. But unless we get those those things right, they can't move on to their level. It's impossible. You know, so it's about just trying to show some, some common themes across competitions and to actually instead of worrying about nailing the, the perfect Uchimaru like Nui, if you made uh, a conscious effort to improve your stance, your posture and your gripping, actually you'd be a lot more successful with throwing. You know, and all these yeah. things, people look at the result rather than the causes. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, particularly when you're speaking 
lower grades mm. i think they're very much in for the magic bullet yeah. which quite quite often is um oh, it must be learning this new throw is going to be the thing and ah oh, it's not this one it'll be the next one da, 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 da. and uh yeah like you say it's the stuff in that you don't see when you're learning. yeah I, yeah they do naturally or yeah, and I think um, I, it actually really interests me when there's a new thing because everything is the new thing, but yet they, they've just been recycled. There's stuff that's happened. You know, if you watch any do in the past, the stuff that's coming out now has already begun. And, you know, if you understand a little bit of the history of the techniques and stuff, they're really, you can send them to come around. It's fashion, I guess. They just come around and they work for it and turn on the rule sets. And if you have, I just 100% believe, if you have solid foundations and you have understanding of gripping, uh, control of distance, movement patterns, gripping patterns, I think they're the things that, that raise the level. Um, and they, they're the things that actually enable the better throwers or people that look to be the better throwers um, actually they're actually really good at gripping. Something like Iliadis or something. Like, you look at something like him, you know, how great is he at throwing? But you forget the fact that for the first two minutes, he's just about done the grips. He's absolutely physically battered. And the last thing they want to do is hand on the map him anymore. And then frozen for a massive dip on. You know, so just really tiny things like that. that I think people are looking at the end result. They're looking at the film's highlight reel rather than the actual match. Definitely. The, the, the work that kind of goes into being such a monster. Um... <laughs> Regarding that, uh, uh, kind of regarding stuff you're doing at the moment, also saw that you're working on an online course. Yeah. What What are you hoping that? that <laughs> well, it's a starting point because, as I said, like my YouTube stuff's a little bit of uh, like a scrapbook of stuff that's in my head, and what people don't get on there is is the lessons leading up to what's going on in that session. So that's just basically like a snapshot of a bit of the content. And what I find when I'm working with, especially new people, if I go and do uh, a seminar somewhere or, you know, at a different club, there's so many things that if, if they understood these things at the beginning, they would progress into the hard stuff much earlier. Um, so the, this course that I'm building is a foundation, just not to overlook. Just really simple stuff about our judo turn, our structure, our gripping, posture, all these things that I mentioned that possibly we get slightly wrong. Um, and it's like, uh, so there's on the, this one that I'm creating at the moment, there's 26 different components to it um, from Tachiwaza to Neiwaza. And it's just making sure that everybody's got a solid foundation to be able to move on to the harder bits because um, my vision for courses will be more in-depth studies of techniques and how to apply considerations and, you know, just a lot more content than what you can get in, in a sort of 10, 15, 20-minute YouTube. Again, it's, it's talking about the same thing, isn't it? It's talking, I guess, building those underlying, understanding what the underlying principles of, mm. of good duo is. Um, this is... Sounds like you, you're thinking of doing a, a series of courses. Is that what you're hoping this will lead to? Or? Yeah, I think so. I think that's where this as well. Like where I work, where I have coaches working for me as well. Across my, across where I'm working, I want a standard, 
And I want coaches to understand my philosophy on things and how this is how and why I approach things the way I do. Um, so there's lots of stuff that you related, lots of stuff that I've learned through going to university with um, a lot of development at D and there's reasons why I do some techniques, but I won't do other techniques. And there's reasons why uh, certain age groups will do certain things. I just feel like it's a really good way of just documenting while I'm still quite young and physically able, things that I expect and I want and a, a way that more than just the people that I work with can then sort of start to delve into it. And you know, some people are like it and I'm sure there'll be who don't, but you know, that's, that's the beauty, you know, so much um, which is subjective it's a taste you know is it your preference of judo i i think it's a a, a brilliant idea i really do because and that's as well you're right that quite often you, you get sold the idea that judo is a blueprint mm. and it has to be this way like yeah. it has to be the way it's shown yeah. in the but without any consideration who the actual individual is, whether that's, you know, you've got heights, weights, limb lengths, all those differences on top of, like, understanding those principles of yeah. gripping, where you, where you put your hands, how you move, moving forwards, backwards, what your posture's like, all those kind of things. And it's always going to be different for everyone. Yeah. And, again, the, the reason your content is adds an element of uh, variety i guess like for so long there's been fighting films and they're amazing and they are um that kind of gold standard mm. um but not everybody can do you know like housing not everybody can do i don't know um yeah, Iliad or you know. that's that's sort of my point i think i think people look at those end results and don't see what to get there and that's sort of yeah. some of the stuff that i'm trying to help with you know do so different it's, you know you look at anyway but look at uh minetta and teddy Ryan. how different could you be physicality wise and you know you know but that's still preference some people prefer the way minetta does judo to the way teddy runner does judo and that's where that's one of the reasons why i like judo because it's not a one size fits all it's not cycling or rowing where, where there are clear physical parameters that a human must be to be good at it you know, it's, that's where the art of judo comes in, you know, because that's where the coach is so important and the, the the right skill set to the right person at the right time. So when uh, when would the, when you're hoping the course will be available? Oh, I'm still going through uh, just setting the content bit now. I'm Hopefully the end of April, I'd be, I'll be happy with that. Um, maybe a bit sooner, but I've got... A, get a couple of people to look at it for me make sure they think it's all right and then uh, yeah if everything's okay we were lucky we literally got the film done before it was locked down so oh wow yeah and i thought i deleted a load of the content until my wife found <laughs> for me so yeah i was yeah i wasn't happy when i thought I deleted it. <laughs> that sounds like a <laughs> yeah not needed awesome well, thank you very much I'm, i'll make sure that i keep my eyes open um i'll check it out myself but so flag uh we listen we get a few more uh, sometimes um bro which kind of brings us on to questions i think you kind of got and the one i wanted to start on was to the situation at the moment cancellation of the games which has been confirmed uh today yesterday it's gonna, how is that going to affect the athletes? What do you think to that decision? Well, to be honest, I think it's the, the most sensible thing to do. Just you know, we sports people are so lucky because we're able to do something we love. Like 
you know, not not everybody's able to do something that they really enjoy. And sport only really works because people watch it. And could you imagine going to an empty stadium to, to perform at the pinnacle of your career? You know, it might be the only chance you ever get to fight at, at that level. And there's nobody there to watch it. Now, you say oh, it's still the Olympic Games, it's still, but it's always going to be tainted. Everybody says, oh, they won the Games. But they're like, yeah, there was the coronavirus, there was quarantine, nobody trained properly, nobody could do this, nobody could do that. And does anybody want to be an Olympic champion that nobody really values as much? You know, because there's so many things that's going on there. How do they how do they sort out the selection points? How do they that you know maybe there's somebody that wouldn't qualify because of the way they're going to do the grand slam points to, to qualify for it, making every other like super points to get through? Or you know I think as disappointing as it is, as disappointing as all the athletes are going to be, it's just not I think a sensible option to do it for anybody, for the athletes, for the fans, for Japan. I don't think to get all those people into the entry um, is fair on anybody. So I think as much as I'd like to see it ahead, I don't think it's sensible, you know, at this time. I think, you know, delaying it a little while for the safety of everybody, um, you know, I, yeah, I think it's a sensible decision, but not an easy one, that's for sure. Yeah, agreed. I think it's the longest games since the cancellation in uh, 30... Like 1940 and 40 because of the war, like yeah, that. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and they're obviously yeah. like delay for what was it, Munich Olympics was that 72, mm. and I think there's been another like where events were delayed by day yeah. hour because of uh, terrorism. But as you say, with the situation at the moment and the level of fear around everything, and there will be athletes who either miss out or who aren't at because it's been put back a year. But you know, to give everybody their what they're performing in front of a crowd on the biggest stage they can imagine, and where everybody there, you know, they're not worried about yeah. their health. Other people. I mean, I'm sure you could argue as well. Some players who are injured and most probably wouldn't qualify for the games in the summer. And you'd then argue, well, how's it fair if they're going to qualify now because they've had extra time to recover? And you know, but it's not the thing about. The Olympics and judo in general is about fair players, about the best person winning. No, we don't. Nobody wants to be a lucky champion, do they? They want to win because they're the best. And especially for judo, can you imagine going to the Olympic Games in for judo, stepping on that mat, and there being no nobody there, nothing to fear, no, and that's meant to be like the the opportunity of a lifetime. So yeah, as disappointing it is, I think and. Yeah, I think putting it back just makes sense, doesn't it? I think it's perhaps more interesting for... like I'm quite interested in boxing. Um, <laughs> and you think of how many boxers do the game and turn professional. And I, th- I think their rules have changed around eligibility about new mm-hmm. pros still competing in the games. But I wonder how many people's like professional careers in that regard will be affected. And yeah. the level of money that they can make because they're not coming off the back of a gold medal. Or do they decide to go pro now or do they wait? Um, it's, it's interesting. I yeah, I mean, I'm always like stuff like that. I struggle with the games with professional sports in regards. If that's not the pinnacle of your sport, yeah, I'm not that interested. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're not hoping to be the Olympic champion, you know, everybody in track and field, everybody, everybody in cycling, you know, actually not cycling, but like Tour de France and stuff. But I just think. The Olympic sport could be the guy that is their crown glory. That's where, you know, their main thing is, of their lifetime achievement. 
So I'm not particularly interested. I even in football in the Olympics, I couldn't really care less. I, I like watching football. <laughs> I like watching the World Cup, but the Olympics just to see the point of it. Totally. Um, what other questions did you get come up from your classic one about leg grabs? When are they coming back, Vince? When are they... <laughs> well, that was um, about uh, leg grabs, and do, do I wish they would come back? Um, and when, uh, what would happen? Need to happen? See it back in local tournaments? And and in all honesty, I couldn't care whether kayak or not. Um, I done leg grabs all the time when I was a, a fighter, but for me as a coach, it's just a different challenge. You know, uh, Olympic, you know, the sport side of it. Actually, like watching it, I think it's good. But for me, I just don't get my head, like, I can't get my head around why they run some competitions where they can do some leg grabs. Like, if people want it, like, I'm sure you, if somebody said, right, they run a Masters tournament, so like an over 30, but we're going to use the rules of pick ever time, 2099, whatever you want to do. You know, there's nothing saying that they have to, they're not going for the, because, you know, they're not, if they're not, that's not their thing, and they're going for, you know, they're enjoying the sport, the football of it, and they would like to do a competition with leg grabs. Do a competition with leg grabs. So they could run it. It wouldn't take that much effort, I'm sure. You know, there's so many clever people out there who can just, just organise one. <laughs> just, for me, if that's what you want to do, do it. But I'm I'm not a fussed leg grabs. Um, as a coach, I I enjoyed when they stopped the leg grabs and they think about well, how do we adapt to the rules? What do we do? How do, you know, what can we do now? How can we improve it rather than worrying about it? Is it a barrier um, in that there are no leg grabs? And I'm saying this because I'm aware I got asked how we recreational to the sport. And I'm saying I'm thinking um, if there were leg grabs, does it with BJJ, with self-defense, with MMA? Are we able to attract more is that the way we do it or is it just... um, oh i think i think there's most probably a couple of parts to that i think there's nobody in i've never heard it british judo anybody say your judo club you cannot practice the grass okay in the ingredient syllabus it's still you're still able to do it it's still part of the syllabus to expect it to know they are so for me unless you're wanting to be a competition player practice the parts of judo you want as long as it's safe as long as you know you're following the guidelines of british judo of you know your mat area people and all that sort of stuff then practice it do it there's no no issue there i think i think with adults in general i think there's a, there's a bigger issue i think a lot of it is people need to go to work in the morning and judo is physically harder okay being thrown get used to being thrown is a big part and generally the adults i see into judo are people who have done it as a kid so they've they know what falling is all about they've experienced it then they've not got that they're not scared like a new person would, would be um but also as well i think where bjj does a really good job is they have this very good way of creating a community for their adults so they're really good at you know they all buy into a you know they have a protein shake and they sit down and have a chat together or you know they they it becomes like a, a male bond or a female bond it like you know just a joint bonding session where they feel like they belong i think when Bido first started that's most probably how how it grew i think more and more there's not that, that element so much i think because that bigger adult sections have a better um uh, community centre as well, where they all feel like they've got their little input. Maybe some of them help on the junior classes or help run a competition with the club. Or you know, I think it's just 
people join clubs to get fit. They also join there because they want to meet people and they want to, you know, socialise and, you know, do bits and pieces. And I think maybe that's that's what they're after and maybe that's why they do so well. I do agree with you there. I think there is a space for to pick up um, young adults of any level. Mm. Uh, coaching at university, I think we have almost a captive audience. Obviously, mm. they have uh, a whole array of clubs that they could go to, but they do a lot of the things you're talking about. It's built into being part of a universe. Have like committee, which is all on boards as part of the students. They have social member they have a social um mm. on the committee so again the social side of things um, these things you're talking about about being part of a community about being part of something big and getting fit it's all tied in with it and i would agree that potentially some community clubs maybe have all that tied in because the coach is a guy has hours to do it mm. on a friday and hasn't got or doesn't investment in anything to add to the club i guess in that way yeah, and I think um, BJJ is obviously very fashionable at the moment. Um, and I think we're almost embarrassed to sell it. Like lots of coaches that I do, to, they charge these three pounds of an evening, they get a couple of kids turn up, and they, they almost feel embarrassed asking that two or three quid. But for me, judo is the best product. Like, it's there's so many good things, whether it's physical or educational or whatever. And I think judo just continually undersells itself. So... The people, it's tough if you've gone out and done a hour day and then you've got to go home and take your judo session on an evening you know you are going to find it difficult especially if you've only got 10 members and if you're imagine if you had that 10 hours a day focusing on getting people into your judo you know and they're able to pay your, pay your wages and stuff and pay your bills and you know you'd have a lot more time for creating that and bjj clubs taught, charge money they charge a lot of money to run classes all the time um and I think judo will change. I think judo is changing. I think they're starting to. I think most coaches realize how good the product is, and especially when you compare it to other martial arts. I think judo is right up there, and I think it's just about finding its value within within the set, like within the sports and the martial arts. I love that answer. A lot of insight. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who are very happy, charge not very much, mm. uh, because it's what they've always done, and they don't see why they're different. Um, Potentially because they're volunteers, they're not trying to make money out of it. I, I think I've found it difficult to weigh up the value of volunteering and running community clubs and then how much that undermines people are trying to run it as a business and and what they can offer, if it does. I don't know if it does. I don't know. If yeah, I don't think it undermines it. And I think if anybody's teaching judo, it's positive um, in whatever shape form they, they deliver it as I think there should always be some sort of um associational goal of running alongside clubs that are a little bit more established it's for advice or pathways or i think there's a big thing in judo where there's definitely lots of clubs that almost feel like they have rivals but what you yeah. need to remember is judo clubs aren't against each other they're against the football club, hockey club, football club the you know all the other sports that these children are doing and they could be doing judo and that's what you've got to think about and i think there needs to be a lot more um togetherness of clubs and you need to just realize what are you a if you're only able to produce a couple hours on a friday night that's your level of commitment to judo that's fine but why not by the, by the other club they will to offer a monday and a tuesday uh maybe a senior section making there's two 
doesn't devalue what you're doing it adds to what you're doing you know it's, you you become a stronger unit together i think that's that's where it needs to move to i think there will be as far as i'm concerned i've committed a lot of time resources learning about judo building geo company and stuff like that so i'm able to commit a lot more time and a lot more effort and offer a lot more some people can't do that which is fine but you just need to find where you are on that scope hit me with some of the other questions you asked because i cannot remember them off the top of my head oh. Um, so there's one about is the uh, UK grading system fit for purpose or does it need to be broader? Should it include CATA at all levels? Randori? Uh, should there be fighting self-defence styles? Stuff like that. Do you think the grading system? Um, I'm convinced that it necessarily follows on. Is that connected in terms of like for my own experiences of grading Q grade players, mm-hmm. um, I don't think fucking Q third Q necessarily follow on from one another. So f- I know first Q's tying everything together. Tying everything together. I, don't, I, I sometimes think there should be more, as you say, on movement patterns and different styles of entry and where you put your hand posed to on to get third Q. You have to do this set of techniques. Do you, do you know, like, I think, they should, yeah, I think there should be more principles. Mm. Um, you need to understand this, but again, it becomes harder to potentially grade then. Yeah. Kata, I have never done kata in my life. Mm. Um, I know people who do and who love it. Um, so I've done that. Uh, do for that. <laughs> I've done kata. I was doing my fourth down theory, so you have to do kata for that. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I liked about Kata was that Uki has to play an active role. I think when we're learning judo, I think, especially you see also when people are doing Uchikami and stuff, you see the Uki stood there like a, like a bag of potatoes, like not no input whatsoever. And I think the key for, for Western judo is understanding that even if you're Uki, that's still an active role. So there's lots of things, and that actually develops your judo a lot quicker um, rather than just focusing on the Tory part. So when it comes to catas for that, I, I quite liked it, but I find it boring. I didn't feel like I helped my judo whatsoever. I don't, uh, you know, I don't feel like I could wait with a better understanding of judo. I feel like I've done it for, for four fans. Okay. Um, okay. For the theory side. How, how about the rest of this? Does it stand up to, to Mustard? Um, so for me, I'd just like to know what what is... I think the only way you can answer whether it's fit for purpose is if you know what the purpose it is. And I don't know what, what they think it does. So for me, when I look at when I look at grading, it's like when we talked about chess earlier, what you're doing is you're learning the opening moves. So you're learning yeah. that the, the pawn moves forwards, the rook moves away, king can go one space. So you're, what you're doing is you're just laying out, these are the moves. Then, you know, when it, when it goes further to say, well, how do you use that? Uh, can they do it in an story situation? Well, there's so many variables of where they can do it. Are they against somebody who's trying to stop that? Like, it's not that easy to, to, to suffer. So I think if we were saying, is the grading system going to help us create better competition players or randori players, most probably, is the, the, the grading a way of people to be involved in judo at a nice social level and still manage some of the skills that, you know, if it's for the mass population, it most probably covers those bases. But if you're 
if you're a club that wants to produce elite level players, you most probably aren't looking at that that often. You know, and yeah. that would be, you know, if you're working with a group of uh, team players, you, you would expect to be able to cover all that few minutes, like you'd be able to get through that and out the other side, you know. Um, so, yeah, so I think I don't see the self-defense bit. I just think if that's what you want to do, then set it up within your club. I don't think that's necessarily the, the role, you know, of the grade. But if you wanted to do it, then, yeah, definitely. And I think there should be courses for that, for people who want to want to be involved. I think everybody needs to find their participation level of judo, how they want to be involved. It might be self-defense, it might be cas, it might be um, going through their grades or whatever. But, yeah, I just think... Do you do you do anything on self defence? So this is different. It has to do uh, like short courses on self defence on quite a regular basis, and it's always something I kind of shy away because I know nothing of defence. Like yeah. I know judo as a sport. Like and I feel I could bullshit my way through. Oh, this would apply in this situation, but I don't feel. Yeah. Quite. Yeah, I know exactly. Mean it's that. I think that comes from being somebody who does geo. It's not easy to blag it like or like you're not. Um, you're saying something you've not necessarily walked. But I think in general, there's lots of sports that would be easily transferable. And I think yeah. if you took a self-defense course within a few hours, you would be connecting the dots. You know, and uh, I wouldn't necessarily do do anything like that unless I've yeah. done some course. And I just think. Do a good use of my time. You know, it's not an area that I'm particularly that interested in. I'm interested in developing judo players, and so why would I detract from that? And that's why I say, even like with people who want to find their their niche within judo, why aren't there experts in self defense judo? Why aren't there experts in? There's not one more valuable than the other. They're creating uh, people who want to do judo, and that's their bit that they really like. Um. Yeah, it is that, that there's no one, well, it's, there's many who serve it, that kind of aspect of it, because you see it a lot think, of other um, arts, don't you? Yeah, uh, there is, um, I think uh, Matthew from North, he does judo self-defense, um, and might be one or two others, but not, I don't think there are many, but it's definitely, like, as I said, I just think we sell ourselves, we stick ourselves in a, in a box, this is the one thing that we offer for judo. When the, I don't see the need, why aren't experts in all those fields often you know and they can come along to studio classes and add the extra value to them um i know you i think you also got asked about um kids younger and younger and i know that there's now bj courses in uh, doing what is it judo yeah um yeah basically the question was something along is judo trying to be commercial with it are we just on a bandwagon um, it's difficult. I mean, do you need participation as a sport? We're, we're not a professional sport. You have to rely on um, funding. You know, and one of the requirements is participation. And if that's one way they can do it, for me, I yeah, I've got a three-year-old and a four-year-old, and they can do some bits with me, but I can only tolerate them because of my own children. So. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't feel for me judo is like the earliest that I I can deal with. Um, there are exceptions, you know, there are kids that are slightly more mature than that, but it's difficult. I think if 
if those kids go to a jungle gym or go to a gym class and you can offer the same session in a safe way, why wouldn't you bring them involved with what you're doing? And then they've got an earlier start. Do you know they're already familiar with not the barriers to break down? You know, even at five years old, you get kids coming in who are scared um, because of the mats or the lap banging when they break falling or whatever. And if you get conditioned to that at a younger age, then that surely is a good thing. Um, it's just as long as people are trained and know what they're doing with it, that's they always go to that, doesn't it? I've not I've not got a huge amount of experience with coaching kids that young. I have coached some, um, but I have a four year old and taken gymnastics or some of this. And I, I imagine a four year old judo would be is it is not gymnastics and it's not dance. <laughs> Like, it's not a really formal class. It's mm. jumping around and doing movements. And I think that would translate really well to... Again, it would probably a certain group of coaches to specialise in that kind of thing, who have the patience and the tolerance to deal with 10 or 20 screaming kids running around. You aren't really doing the sport that you're interested in, mm. but they are on that way. Mm. Uh, in, the, in judo, there's a culture of... If you're... Say level two coach, you're expected to be able to coach from five years old to Olympic champion, like the full win that Whereas I think I don't think it works like that because you cannot spend all your time over all these uh, all those different areas. You know, they all require different skills at different times. Um, and I think within coaching, once you go past you get like, you do need to start specialising in areas that you find interesting. Um, so for me, it's you know, under 20s, under 18, sketch juniors, pre-vets. That, that's the area that really interests me. Um, it then moves into open skill set when they're even senior elite athletes. Um, so why not find where you're best suited, what suits your skill set, where you can really excel? Pose is an interesting question because you still get, there is still the idea, I think, in um players can go all the way through a career at the same club. Mm. Um, do you think that's the case? Do you think you talk about coaches needing to specialise there? Do you think players, do you think there needs to be a clearer pathway of when players need to move from the club? Do players need to move from the club? Oh, that's very, uh, I think that's a question that could, you could spend hours and hours and There's different uh, factors that go into that. I think, there's not many clubs in the country or world that will be set up to number of five I think even yeah, I think that you, you, you struggle. I think there are odd cases where, where coaches go all the way through and I'm not sure all the time it's because the player wants it. I think sometimes the coach wants it or yeah, I don't I don't know. I think I think you're very, very I think there's so many different um assets to that I think that could be you could argue one way or another I think generally as a rule it would be very very difficult for one person to start at a club they're not set up for it say for example Cambly has got five-year-old section and it's got Olympic section you know what I mean but that's few and far between there's not many places that offer anything like that you know even if you looked at um you look to other centers you had a club that most probably could do it they go all the way through but then you've got Barcelona university so they're not necessarily able to do it warsaw university so they're not able to do it and then you're looking at other clubs that are potentially do it but you know and how 
yeah, I just think so many variables what could and didn't happen on that. I just I think it's unusual it happens rather than a rule. I think it's an exception to the rule it happens rather than I wouldn't be using that as my coaching model, my uh, rope. <laughs> I think the clubs you're talking about there as well are great examples of like you can most probably um sorry, um pinewood in there as well i suppose they yeah. they had a reputation in the past of doing that as well so it's mostly unfair missing that clubs there again who you've got four or five or six coaches all involved mm. different levels uh who all specialize in different age groups yeah um the coaching team at county you've got so carly runs the mini judo which is luke's wife she's a, four-time Olympian, I think she is, for Australia. Then you've got Danny, who do with um, pre-cadet, and then me, who was pre-cadet to cadet, and look above that. And then you've got Jim in there as well, um, who's another elite-level judo player. You know, so the actual routine within that, nobody's expected to every wrong. You know, yeah. you all fill in for each other, all help each other out, but you wouldn't... You're, you're not expected to carry the sole burden you've got expectations in your job of what you should be doing um, and each one of us is trying to make sure that when we pass the the children through to the next level they've got the best chance of thriving and permanent. right so um at the moment on twitter i'm trying to run like judoka of the decade category by category you used to threes and the next couple of days we'll be starting 73 kilos so who is your favorite judoka from the last 10 years since 2010 at 73 kilos oh, is it for this one yeah i know about a doubt i think that is like my old like for joe watching judo he is the man just the physical dominance and the way because he, he has all the the japanese technical ability but all the physicality that are like seeing in european players he's fully in face he just yeah the, the judo for me is I, i'm not just saying threes i think it's pretty much any category he's one one of judo players for me and then yeah finally where if people want to find out a little more about you if they haven't seen you where can people find you on social media yeah skill call on facebook or instagram or youtube you'll you'll generally see me pop somewhere um i am on twitter but i don't think i'm uh, witty enough for twitter i don't uh, don't post that much on twitter <laughs> yeah just anywhere on there i'm in the process of setting up um, all my uh, website and stuff like that but that'll be around soon but i'll just be saying show my name something to come up fantastic um, vince mate thank you so much i really appreciate it you're welcome take care buddy <laughs>